people in Postbox can find that content that you promoted and then choose to share that with their audience. And they're sharing it with their audience because just like you've already exhausted sharing that one piece of content with your own audience, people sharing your content have also exhausted their opportunities. And so they want to find additional content to share with their audience that is industry relevant to really deepen that relationship and engagement with them. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, my name's Rick Nusky and welcome to today's show. And just a quick second of pause to say thank you so very much for joining us and supporting the My Future Business show. It's making all of the difference, knowing that it's making a difference for you. Now, on today's call, I have somebody incredibly talented, very special, and obviously very busy, uh, very busy, and you will understand why that is in a moment. Welcome to the show, Benjamin Dell. Hey, thanks for having me on. I, th- I thought you were talking about someone else. Then. No, absolutely not. After me. It <laughs> is you, my friend. <laughs> now, for everybody who uh, is not familiar with uh, Ben, you will soon be because Ben's the founder of Missing Letter, Hay Summit, Help Shelf, and Onboard Flow, along with formerly Updately, uh, Updaty, sorry, Raw Jam, Onboard Tips, which have all been acquired. But um, before we jump into the, I guess, the core of the call, Ben, what is customary for us to do is actually unwrap you as the individual, a little bit about your life, stepping away from um, this, uh, this sphere of business that you're so deeply ingrained in at the moment, and to learn a little bit about you. Now, I guess the first part is to um, ask you, Ben, where are you located in this wide, wonderful world of ours? I like it. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's often glazed over, isn't it? But we're all, we're all individuals with our own personal battles trying to sort of carve our own sort of experiences in life and yeah i like that it's it's a good good place to start so i'm based out um in the uk um i I guess an hour an hour outside of london if you know the uk close to reading that sort of area yeah south london yeah now i know uh you've got a lot going on at the moment do you have much time to take a break and how important is to uh unwind for you yeah i I, I, I think so. So life gets in the way in 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 a good way, and sometimes sort of forces you to take breaks, even if you can't. And I think that's, from my perspective, has also been quite a healthy thing. So I've got um, uh, I'm married. I have three kids um, and a dog. So just simply having that in my life um, forces me to not always be working. So I walk my dog in the morning seven days a week. Um, I'm making pancakes for my kids on the Sunday morning. I don't work at the weekends apart from checking emails and that sort of thing. Um, we'll do movie nights, you know, so those sorts of things kind of, they're the sort of pattern interrupter, um, and keep, keep me sane. Yeah. That's, but the that's... way I like to do it is I, I pretty much shut myself off from the world midweek and then weekend is kind of have a glass of wine, spend time with the kids, um, with the wife and kind of create a balance that way. Yeah, it makes it, you know, the the way that uh, some people might perceive professionals like yourself is that they're robots, they're they're just always on the go, that's all they ever do is work, and it's really quite important for the My Future Business audience to get that different perspective that there are people behind businesses and they have thoughts and feelings and needs just like everyone else. Now, um, with all that being, being said, 
you are incredibly active in the um, online space at the moment. I'm following you on multiple channels. Um, I have purchased um, almost every product that you have in your suite, and I'm just blown away by the amount of productivity and I guess um, functionality that you've brought to my own business. Now, I, I wanna go back a little bit. What what formal studies have you done? Did, did you do anything at university? What is your, I guess, your educational background to get to this point? Did you do anything mm. formal? I did, mm -hmm. but I, I wouldn't necessarily attribute that to who I am today and where I am today and, and what I've learned. Yeah. So I, I studied computer science um, at university um, back in 1999, I think it was until 2002, I think, around mm -hmm. the same time, so three years. Mm -hmm. um, and then I worked commercially, you know, as an employee for about a year after that. Um, and that was enough. And then from that point, I've, 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 I've always been in business for myself and I've always you know, founded companies and all that sort of thing. But crucially, my learning started at that point, you know, when I went out into the big wide world and started learning what makes me tick, you know, do I enjoy the intellectual pursuit of working for other people in a big organization that, that one year period? Yep. Um, and I realized, I, I kind of knew it beforehand, but, but you don't know something, or in my sense, I, I, I find I very rarely truly know something until I've actually done it. So I had this intuition that my future was, was, was one that I had to carve for myself, that I had to be my own boss. And that was really the only way that I would have that sort of intellectual and, and financial freedom and, mm -hmm. and everything else that I wanted out of life. Um, but, but equally, I knew I had to at least try the, the employment route. So yeah. I did that, experienced it, taught me a lot about me and everything else, and then came out of it and then you know went out from there so yes um traditional sort of background um with with education um but i don't really think it it gave Made me much the difference you know much difference apart from life experience i mean it was a fundamentally incredible experience one of the best of my life but it's not one that informed my professional life. Uh, of course thank you again for for sharing uh, these wonderful insights ben now um the thing about becoming the boss is that the great news is that you're the boss but unfortunately the bad news is that you're the boss now when you mm -hmm. uh, stepped out into the world yourself and you took on all of the responsibility was that confronting for you because i know that a lot of the people that are listening to the my future business show are startup entrepreneurs aspiring uh, business owners and they get a lot of value out of speaking with people that have done it who have walked the walk before them could you share a little bit about that transition with us yeah it's it, it's something that you 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 want to be able to rush but you can't um and it's not so much or certainly from my perspective it wasn't so much the weight of the additional responsibility being your own boss you have to think about taxes and you have to think about having an accountant and staff and all those sorts of things actually those things kind of work themselves out when you get to that stage where you could afford staff and you have money coming in to actually require an accountant all that yeah. kind of you know that that dominoes that kind of fall over um because the previous one knocked it um the thing that i think i found the toughest really was that you enter this world where you're convinced that this is the path that you're taking. You're going to be an entrepreneur. You're going to, you've got some ideas. You, you want to do things. Um, but you struggle to actually find what you're good at. And I think this is one of the most common fallacies I've found with um, speaking with other um, so-called entrepreneurs, which is you kind of, because you, you, you're often a jack of all trades. And the yeah. downside of that is that you struggle with trying to work out what you're truly good at um, in multiple ways, both in sort of practical day-to-day how do you actually get stuff done sort of sort of sense mm -hmm. but also just more sort of macro level 
what is what are you here to do like what are you i'm um, not in a spiritual sense but just in a what is the type of business that you flourish most in um what what what, what, what sort of value do you really bring to that you know business creation ideation sort of running sort of realm mm -hmm. um and it took me many many years when i first came out of, of that first job i knew i wanted to start a business and so i started a business i registered with it um uh, through the local uh, you know with, with the government um company's house as it's called over here um came up with a name um created some stationery business card um, <laughs> letterhead all the things that you did back then <laughs> and then sat back and thought okay i've done that was the fun stuff like what 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 do I do next? Like, <laughs> I, I actually haven't worked out how to form ideas, how to actually have conviction over the, the vision that you attach to those ideas and, and how best you work in that whole ideation process. And, and I suspect that's not uncommon a lot, across a lot of people. You, you, you do the things that you think you should be doing, you know, or, or, or that, that appeal to you, like, like the business cards and everything else, yep. you know, the badge of honor. Yep. Um, and the other stuff just takes time. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's really interesting that you should say that. I you you strike me, Ben, as somebody who um, seems to have a natural tendency to be self-driven, um, uh, self-directed, um, unlike a, a an employee per se. Um, what would you say about those who struggle with this mindset of "Hey, I own this. This is my responsibility." Is this something that they can learn to develop as a behaviour? Yeah, I think it, I think almost anything can be learned, but you've got to work out whether it is. I think two sided. One is it actually playing to your strengths, um, and and this is something that we need to all learn as individuals. You know, what sort of environments serve us, um, and, yeah. and which ones do we actually contribute to in a positive way? Are we most effective in? Um, and the other one is just you just enjoy it. So um, it's all very well and good saying I want to be a business owner or I want to be the you know my own boss. But if it actually drains you emotionally, if it, if it stresses you out because of all those ancillary things, you know, managing teams and, 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 and the risk, you know, the risk reward with, with finances and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, or if you enjoy it, don't find it stressful, but you just find actually you're not the best person for the job. Like it, that is very, very possible that you, you and, and actually I've got a, you know, a very recent story regarding Hey Summit um, uh, about that, um, which is, you know, I spent all this time, um, you know, being the founder, being my own boss, creating these companies. Um, and when it came to Hey Summit, a, a virtual summit platform um, that was, you know, I created about coming up to two, two years ago, actually, in, yep, in August. Two years. Um, about a year ago, decided, and it, as it was starting to sort of grow, I realized that actually I'm a really, really good founder, but I'm a terrible CEO. Um, and what I mean by that is that, that, that I'm, I'm really good at identifying opportunity and coming up with the, the raw idea and looking at what that vision is and, and, and getting that first sort of a, a sort of initial traction, if you will, and sort of carving out its sort of space in the wider market mm -hmm. um, and getting it to that stage. But then when you've got to start managing, in inverted quotes, the business and you've got to start thinking about company culture and policies and, and um, business plan strategies and all the sort of, in my mind, the boring stuff, <laughs> essential stuff, don't get me yes, wrong, yes, but yes. kind of the stuff that doesn't serve my um, soul. Doesn't light you, you up. Um, that, I, I actually brought someone in, a, a good old friend of mine, actually, who's who's now doing far better than I could, ever could have done with with Hey Summit, um, in as the CEO. We've got a, a wonderful, flourishing team there. Um, so I think, yeah, ask yourself, are you best? You know, what sort of role are you best served um, filling, and does it actually fulfil you um, emotionally and, and and everything else? 
Yeah, that's some sage advice. Now, I want to go back, Ben, to that moment in time, the very first sale that you ever made. Can you remember it? Mm. Good question. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I wonder, is it as telling and as, as memorable? Maybe not <laughs> by, by, by all senses. Um, but, you know, you get that first sale and then you get that momentum. Then you start to recognize, hey, look, I'm onto something here. Um, what you, you talked about being great at, uh, you know, that founding and that ideation. And, um, but how important has it been for you to listen um, to those around you and build community and listen to the people that buy from you? Has that helped you along the way? It absolutely has. But I, I, I also like to apply a pinch of salt, um, both in terms of that as just general advice, but also just to myself and mm -hmm. how I incorporate sort of external feedback, if you will. Um, and it can come from multiple places, whether you have a mentor, whether you have a family member, whether you have a, an employee, um, uh, or whether it's through customers. I think there is a time and a place. And I've, I've learned that while I'm deeply um, uh, thinking about the problem at hand and coming up with the, you know, the ideation phase, I don't need or want any external influences because it kind of, it takes away from the, the rawness of what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, but the second I've got it to, you know, out into the marketplace um, as its sort of first version, if you will, and this is not sort of beta beta, this is kind of just the first version that was production ready, being sold to the public. Yeah. At that stage, I then completely flip almost and sort of really then want to learn how are people using it? Are they, you know, doing the things that I, are they matching my hypotheses essentially? Um, mm -hmm. And I'm doing that a lot more now with Missing Letter, for example. We've built up a, a pretty big, um, well, fairly big um, uh, uh, gathering in our Facebook group. And I'm almost daily sort of going back and forwards on how's that working for you and, and everything else. And that feedback is super important. But that's because the idea has already been given a life, if you will. Once it's out there in the real world, then I want to collect information on it. But before it's at that stage and it's an idea, in my, the way I work, I don't like to pollute the ideation phase with external sort of influences too much. I always like to dig a little bit deeper and, and help the My Future Business audience to come up with ideas because a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with this whole idea uh, of getting ideas. Mm. How do you do this? How do you come up with new ideas? Are you watching um, around you? How does, how does that happen? No. Uh, uh, there's, there's, so David Cancel from Drift, he has a podcast. I, I, I must confess I don't listen to it too much these days. Um, but he is an avid reader and he will often refer to this um, this sort of uh, approach or, or, or sort of thinking, if you will, that, that he calls idea sex. Mm -hmm. And it's this basic principle, and I'm sure there's a more eloquent way of one could put it, but um, <laughs> it essentially it's the basic, basic notion that if you just absorb information by just reading stuff because you enjoy reading it, you know, don't do it because I am reading this book because I expect to get an instruction from it um, or listen to this guy or speak to this person consume knowledge and consume information with the confidence that those bits of, you know, your subconscious will start putting these things together and will have idea sets. You know, one bit of grain of knowledge from this book with that grain of knowledge or insight from that conversation yeah. will sort of melt. And sometimes they won't, they will just fizzle out and won't, you won't even be aware that it's happened. But every now and again, you'll be in the shower and this idea will come to you. And it's because you've allowed, you've opened yourselves up to a whole range of things. And so that's kind of the approach that I take. Personally, I've never had a problem with um, ideas. I've got too many of them. Yeah. What I find, um, and, and that's not to say they're all fantastic ideas, of course, but there's a whole sort of filtering system that goes through my mind sort of yep. almost constantly, and I'm always thinking of the next thing. 
the thing that I found to be the most um, shifting, impactful thing that, that, that has really worked for me um, uh, beyond the idea is actually getting good at translating an idea into some form of action. And that's the thing that I've seen most entrepreneurs and most sort of business owners fall at or fail at, which is, can you actually translate an idea into something tangible? Can you actually stick to a deadline and deliver and not spend two years doing it and just, you know, procrastinating, but actually commit to something and get it out the door? Um, that's for me is the, the most powerful thing. Now, as you say, obviously you have to have the idea before that. And if you struggle with ideas, definitely focus on that first. But don't assume that simply having an idea means that you're going to then succeed. You, you have to then hone that skill of getting it out into the marketplace. Yeah, thank you for sharing, uh, Ben. I, I know that you're involved with uh, a pretty major deal site out there and they've given you a platform to, I guess, springboard forward. And uh, what I'd like to ask, Ben, is that you see a lot of um, businesses come and go. Now, I think a lot has to do with the, the people that are driving the businesses, and in this case, you. Um, you have a lot of positive reinforcement coming from your community. And I, I wonder, you know, what, what's the difference, do you think, between businesses that fail and those that survive long term? Well, I think what you're touching on there is is part of the answer. It, it, it's, it's obviously largely great product backed up by a sound business strategy in a marketplace that actually has an appetite um, for the product that you're bringing to it. But but that aside, I think it's 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 the it, it's the human side, you know no matter as you were saying at the beginning you know no matter what you're doing you, there is a human behind you know whether you're ceo of xyz or a, you know founder of this company or whatever it is doesn't matter what the scale is there's yeah. a human behind it and the second you realize that and, and and by the same token realize that people engaging with you your customers your, your staff and everyone else they're all humans with similar problems and, and issues and challenges in life and everything else for me it's just about connection and treating other people how you would want to be treated um, and that's not to say i get it right all the time but i try and strive to get it right most of the time and i think what you were, were alluding to at the, uh, you know just just at the beginning of that, that that question um there's a lot of goodwill that's come out of that um not that i'm going into it explicitly for that goodwill it's, no, it's a byproduct of um but yeah i think a lot of people um appreciate the way that we do things um and i, I think that's just because we're nice and i think that sounds really flippy floppy and sort of weird no not at all just be nice to people and and, and open your arm have a conversation jump on a call um imagine that being nice and to people i think it translates <laughs> yeah it, it's a, it's an obvious trait that uh, you bring to the table and it's it's a credit to you now um i'd like to shift gears if we could a little bit mm -hmm. um you've, you've talked about you know i guess presenting yourself in a certain way and i think this goes into a bit of brand recognition um i i, I often see uh, that you're very consistent, not only with the way that you behave in front of your audience, but also from platform to platform, you have a very unique style. It's clean, it's fresh. Was that by design or was that by, you know, evolution? How did that come about, that style, that mm. look, that feel? So I'll just answer the, 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 the way I present myself first, because I think it's worth noting that yep. what I perceive your, or interpret your touching on there is that no matter 
I mean, if we look at the deal site that, that we're on at the moment, you will sometimes get tough questions. You'll get that on customer support channels as well, which is more private, just of one course. to one, but certainly yeah. the public ones as well, it's more more public. But you'll get tough questions. People sometimes, you know, pissed off at something, and that's probably, you know, <laughs> for various reasons. You can't control all that. No. But what you can control is how you then respond to that. And I've always made it a point to be as cordial and as structured and, and as open open-minded and everything else with those that are giving me praise as well as those that are giving me criticism and so i'm always open particularly in a deal like we're running with through AppSumo at the moment where um I'm, i i i enter it with an open mind knowing that i don't necessarily have all the answers and and what i mean by that is that quite often questions will be raised around well why is the deal including this and not that or or have you thought about including that or not or, or, or maybe it's just a functional aspect of the product itself yeah and i don't sort of respond combatively and say that's the way it is that's what we're doing i will always sort of say actually that's interesting let me think about that and see whatever you know see whether there's a groundswell of opinion supporting that and see what everyone else says and quite often i will come back a day or two later implementing that thing like changing the fundamental mechanics of the deal the price the what you get for it um, i'm not afraid to do that because i think you're showing that you're listening to people and actually if it's in demand and if it's a valid thing, I, I want people to have that because that's if it's valid, it's valid, and it doesn't doesn't suddenly become invalid because we're in deal mode or anything else. Yeah. Um, so that's one side of it. The other side is the consistency around the design, and, and actually that's more through necessity. Um, spoken speaking before about um, kind of getting good at delivering, at, at executing ideas, and a certain proportion of that for me is not having to reinvent the wheel with regards to design. So I think yeah. what you were talking about there, just for context for those listening, each of my businesses, um, although they they are starting to depart organically because they have separate teams and, and they, they should be allowed to organically evolve from a design standpoint, when they were first launched, they all shared the same design UX, the same color scheme and everything else. Um, now the benefit of that is that people associate it and they understand and recognize it, which is really, really good actually. But actually it comes from a point of selfishness um, I want to get a product out the door. I want to be spending more time on the specifics of the product to make it a killer product um, and or a killer marketing sort of strategy, you know, once the product is launched versus forcing myself into this sort of corner where I'm, I'm, I'm having to come up with a brand new design every single time. So it's more out of necessity. Um, but there are some fringe benefits with it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Uh, the the way that you just simply log in and you get what you need and it's quick and it's responsive and it's all the things that it needs to be in the in the 21st century business environment. Now, um, what was your first product? Do you recall? Um, well, my first business was a bubblegum machine that I bought from a from an auction um, <laughs> when I was about sort of 12 or 13 or something and, and, and uh, no one purchased anything. I put it outside my house, literally on the street, and I think they they accepted <laughs> the old ten p's that um, uh, sort of coins that were out of circulation. Um, plus, I then later discovered that the bubble gums were about two years old, so uh, probably a good thing that no one um, did buy them because um, uh, probably would have, would have gone to hospital as a result. Um, but my my first actual business was was something called Easy Peasy Print, um, and it was essentially I don't know if you remember the MMS days on your mobile phone, not oh, yes. message. Um, where it was a text message, but you could send an image with it. Um, it sounds completely normal today, but back in the day, you know, that, was a, that was a big thing. Um, and this was before smartphones and everything else. And so what we developed was this, this concept where you could text an, an MMS, so send a picture to our short code. Um, we would do this sort of ping back, sort of automated thing where we would say, great, you've got it. 
um, what is your postcode? And then we'd send a postcode and then we'd give them an option of all the different addresses that we found on that postcode and say, which is your, what number is your house? And they'd type option three or whatever. Yep. And then we and then we would charge them through the um, text message. So they'd be charged like four pounds or five pounds or something like that. And then within, within about three or four days, they would receive that photo nicely framed on their doorstep. Um, uh, so it was like basically photo print sort of service, um, easy piece of print. Um, yeah. But it came around um, pretty much too late. Timing is key. Um, so our smartphones hadn't quite come out, but they had just they were just about to. And so when they did, it kind of killed the the, the need for that really, because then people were developing apps to do that, and um, the, the people getting photos off phones became less of an issue. It just mm. became the norm. Um, but yeah, that was the first one. So leading on from there, uh, from a deal site perspective, from if I, correct me if I'm wrong, please, Ben. I, I believe mm. it was Help Shelf first is the one I first experienced, followed by Hey Summit, then Missing Letter, and now Missing Letter Postbox. I'm wondering if we can. Is that would that be right? Is that the order? No, that's wrong. Actually, um, oh. it was Missing Letter. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> but that's okay. I, I get confused myself. Missing Letter, then Help Shelf, then Hey Summit, then Onboard Flow, and now Missing Letter Postbox. Yes, now I, I've uh, just got my hands on Postbox and uh, very exciting um, product to, to have my hands on. And I've, I've noticed already, um, for everybody who doesn't actually understand, hopefully, Ben, you can share a little bit about this, but um, I've already looked in my dashboard and I'm having people sharing my content. And this is fundamentally different than what I'm used to seeing. Um, I'm wondering if you could maybe share a little bit about what Missing Letter Postbox is in a condensed format. Condensed. Well, that's a challenge. Let's see. Okay, I'll <laughs> You've do that. got three seconds. <laughs> okay, three seconds. Uh, um, so I, I guess the simple way of thinking about it is, <clears throat> if we think about um, uh, adverts in Facebook, when you can compose an advert, you're building your audience, um, you're composing your creative, so your copy and your your image, if you choose to have one, and then you will activate that advert, and then it gets distributed across um, across Facebook. Postbox is somewhat similar to that but it's not a paid sort of um, uh, service. So it's it's where you have content that you want to promote um, organically through other people's social media um, audiences. So imagine you have a blog post, but it could be a, a video, it could be an Instagram link, it could be an infographic, anything with a link basically, with a, with a web destination. You want to promote that and you have already shared it with your social followers, that's great, but you want to broaden that reach. Um, and so you can enter that into the, or add it into the Postbox library, and then that means that other people within Postbox can then discover that content. So just like with Facebook adverts, when you compose that post to add to the Postbox library, um, you're building your audience. So you're choosing your categories, your topics, your language, and um, that it's based on a few other criteria as well. And what we'll tell you is we'll give you an idea as to that potential audience, social audience available to you based on that criteria. So mm -hmm. it might be a few million, three million, 500,000, whatever it might be. Um, and that basically is a number that represents the total potential social audience or the social followers that are following the people um, that are um, following those categories within Postbox. Um, so it's not literally how many people will see it, it's just how many could see it should they all be online and if the search engines and algorithms present it at the right time and all that sort of stuff. But essentially, people in Postbox can find that content that you promoted and then choose to share that with their audience. And they're sharing it with their audience because just like you've already exhausted sharing that one piece of content with your own audience, people sharing your content have also exhausted their opportunities. And so they're, they're, you know, they care about the categories or the industries 
that their business is related to and therefore that their followers are following them based on. And so they want to find additional content um, to share with their audience that is industry relevant um, to really deepen that relationship and engagement with them. Um, and so it's a two-sided marketplace in, in that sort of sense. And yeah. effectively, short, short elevator pitch would be it helps find the best audience for your content. And if you're doing it the other way around, it finds the best content for your audience. Now, with term, in terms of quality, um, this is a, a great parameter, uh, a hugely important parameter for the success of this particular platform, mm. as is the community behind it. Um, what what are the mechanisms in place to make sure that you maintain the quality of the posts? And what would prompt somebody to share somebody's content that they know nothing about, apart from reading it? Yeah, so I mean, and, and this is probably the one thing that we spend most of our time thinking about. Uh, and there's multiple ways of, of, of tackling that. So mm-hmm. let's go for the blunt tool, first of all, and, and that is just empowering the end user to report stuff if it's just not appropriate. Because what we're trying to create here is a is an open platform for people to add their content, and it should be the market that decides, you know, whether it's appropriate, whether it's well-matched and everything else. You know, we don't want to necessarily be the arbiters of what's right and wrong, you know, mm-hmm. politically or religiously or, or anything else like that. Um, obviously, where, where lines are crossed from a, from a legal aspect, of course, we will clamp down on those. So we empower users to either block a, a website or a publisher if they just don't want to do it. And that might not be because it's inappropriate. It might just be that they just, you know, that, that particular um, language or style of writing, they just don't, they just know won't resonate with their audience. So they, they, they can choose to block that. So we're empowering them. If it ha- does fall into that category of it's spammy or it's too salesy or something else, they can um, report it and categorize it as such. Um, leading on to that, we then have a quality score um, that everyone has, whether you're sharing or, 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 or promoting content within it, mm-hmm. um, that is influenced based on how many people are sharing, how many people are flagging it. And so we have an algorithm that helps surface the best content, and so that helps bring the best quality content to the fore. Um, and then we have some other um, things at the point of, at which you actually publish the um, or add the content to the library. Simple little things. Um, an example being first-person checker. So when you you know, let's say, let's say you want to promote your blog post, you're adding, you're writing a tweet to add to, you know, you're ad- ad- composing your social co- your content mm-hmm. to add to the um, postbox library, you'll click publish. At that point, we'll actually do a few checks to make sure that it's written nicely and it's, it doesn't, you know, that it's using the right URL. But from a first person standpoint, we'll, we'll, we'll check that and let you know, hey, it looks like you're writing in the first person, which is actually more common than you would think because you're, sometimes when you're trying to add a bit of content to add to the library for other people to share, you forget that you're uh, adding something for other people to share. And so yes. you write it in the first person and say, hey, this is something I wrote recently and some great tips that I found really useful. <laughs> now, that might well be true, yeah. but you can't say that that's going to be true for the person sharing it. So um, we will check that and we'll say, hey, it looks like you're writing in the first person. If you are comfortable with this, click go. But actually, we recommend editing it and, and removing that and saying, you know, and just, just removing that first person sort of context. So just some small examples of some of the things that we're doing. And, and, and we've only um, been around for sort of four weeks in terms of um, Postbox. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are many, many other things that we'll, we'll be working on Very um, exciting. Yep. Week to help support that sort of idea of policy control. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for everybody who's on the call uh, with us at the moment, I know that, uh, Ben, you have just completed a, uh, a webinar with AppSumo, which you can find on YouTube. Um, I, I suspect they would just need to type in missing letter postbox AppSumo 
uh, as the keywords to find that uh, webinar. I've watched it myself. It's very, very useful, something I, I recommend that uh, everybody who's on the call tonight um, have a look at. In actual fact, I might actually provide the link um, as a video inside of this post. But um, Ben, we've spoken about you. We've learned a little bit more about your background, the fact that there is humans behind businesses. We've talked about some of your ideation processes. Um, we've talked about so much in such a short amount of time. And I just have to say thank you so very much for spending some time with me on the My Future Business Show today. Hey, pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends, and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.